Improving the health of our community through compassion and excellence in healthcare services. Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital brings you another informational podcast. It's your health radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Getting a good night's sleep is so important in maintaining overall health. There are several things that you can do to promote good sleep and ultimately get better quality sleep. My guest today is Dr. Lisa Kransdorf. She's a primary care physician and a member of the medical staff at Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. Dr. Kransdorf, what is the health burden and even the economic impact of sleep disorders? For having me, Melanie. So, you know, we in the U.S. treat sleep as Um, a luxury, but really it should be a priority in preventing um, a host of chronic medical conditions. Um, I think you mentioned to me before that that there are safety concerns for lack of sleep related to drowsy driving. Um, And certainly from a medical standpoint, we have associated um, poor sleep or habitually um, less than six hours per night is usually the number that is quoted um, as being associated with increased rates of obesity, um, increase in medical conditions like diabetes and high blood pressure and heart disease all of which lead to a shortened life expectancy. What's the recommended amount of sleep that people should get every night? And I know it depends on your age, doctor, but generally. Mm-hmm. Sure. So there have been studies that have tried to look at this, um, and it does seem that um, patients who sleep habitually um, less than six hours or more than nine hours have poorer health. So that old adage about eight hours of sleep is actually true and has some science behind it. Hmm, That's so interesting. So we mentioned some of the health conditions that can result from poor sleep habits. And obesity seems to be one that's being talked about a lot. There's a a link now with studies that are combining obesity with sleep apnea or insomnia, just poor sleep quality, yes? Correct. Um, it seems that poor sleep, um, so, you know, with sleep apnea and those conditions, we're looking at maybe hours of sleep that seem like they should be normal, but achieving really poor quality sleep, or in those who have trouble sleeping or because of other things are not sleeping enough, um, when you obtain too little sleep, it upsets the balance of the hormones that control our stress and our appetite. And this seems to promote increased fat storage, seems to increase eating in situations that you otherwise would not be doing these things. So then let's talk about sleep hygiene, which is really a burgeoning field in itself, Dr. Kransdorf. Let's start with what you should do before you get ready for bed every night and what you want people not to do as far as behaviors and lifestyles, things that interfere with our sleep. So with regard to things that we should do, so we should sleep only when we... um, feel like we are sleepy to do so, to force yourself to go into bed before you are so often leads to frustration. Um, We should sleep as much as we need to and not more than that. Um, Sort of lingering in bed can actually make things worse. Uh, You want to keep a regular sleep schedule, especially the awakening. Sometimes the the time you go to bed is difficult to control, but it seems that keeping a regular wake-up time the next day is very important. Um, Regular exercise does seem to help. Though for some patients, it seems that doing so at least four hours before they go to bed is best. You do want to make your bedroom environment conducive to sleep. It should be dark. It should be cool. We do want you to deal with your worries and your stressors before you go to bed and not take them to bed with you. What we don't want you to do is to go to bed hungry. We don't want you to use light-emitting screens before bedtime. So that is um, cell phones, tablets, laptops. TV, those are all things that will stimulate your brain to disrupt your circadian rhythm. 
we want you to avoid alcohol in their bedtime and avoid smoking their bedtime as well. So I'm going to back up for just a minute and start with anxiety and stress. You are a primary yes. care physician. You must see this a lot. How? Especially us women, Dr. Kranzdorf, in this day and time, how can we turn our minds off and fall asleep? What do you recommend we do to stop our minds from spinning and our heads from thinking of all the millions of things on our list that we have to do so we can relax and fall asleep? Great. So I find that um, for my patients who have a lot of stress and anxiety that is disrupting their sleep, it tends to come in two forms. I have my patients who are so tired they can't fall asleep, but then they wake up, say, two or three hours later and are up because of their thoughts and worries. And then I have my group that cannot fall asleep initially at all, and it's that sleep onset that is delayed because of their sleep and, uh, excuse me, their stress and anxiety. Um, the best we can do for those when um, either as you are falling asleep or when you awaken um, is try to not lay in bed for more than 20 minutes. We do want to have people get out of bed so that you're not associating sort of the tossing and the turning and the frustration. Many patients will find guided meditation to be extremely helpful. This can be done uh, with the help of uh, a lot of apps that are out there that will help. Some patients like to do it on their own without any uh, voices speaking to them. Some people like to do it with uh, white noise in the background. But the idea is to do uh, deep breathing exercises and to clear their head. Some patients really benefit from journaling. Um, being able to write out their thoughts and concerns for the day. I tell my patients, if you have a to-do list that you're writing through in your head of things you did not do that day or things you need to do the next day, put it out on paper. Um, it keeps these thoughts from circling around in your head. Um, rituals such as a hot bath, some chamomile tea, those are all things that are very beneficial. For those who have kids, we know that we, you know, we put our children through a whole routine to go to bedtime, and then we jump into bed ourselves without any similar routine. And really giving ourselves that wind down 30 minutes, an hour before we go to bed can be extremely beneficial. And you mentioned white light and electronics. In this day and age, we all feel like we need to be, you know, especially our teenagers who have a circadian mm -hmm. rhythm issue as they're growing anyway, and they all everybody right. feels they need to answer their email right away or get to that text or check Facebook, whatever it is. So. What do you want us to do? I mean, people don't want to take their electronics out of their room, but it really does help get a better night's sleep, yes? Correct. And, you know, it had to start in my own home, too. And uh, my husband and I had to agree that the world will not end if we don't answer that email immediately. Um, you know, te the technology itself has tried. You know, many phones and tablets will have a setting that seems to make the screen not as bright. They sell glasses that are supposed to block that blue light. It's not clear if those things really work at all. Really, it is a matter of, of you don't have to turn off your phone necessarily if you do have um, an urgent phone call or urgent text that you do want to receive, but it is a matter of telling yourself, I'm going to open up my phone 30 minutes before I go to bed. I'm not going to scroll through my Facebook. The phone doesn't have to be next to the bed. It can be over on a different shelf, perhaps, that's not right next to the nightstand where you will um, hear or receive. Uh, or be stimulated awake if you do receive any um, text overnight. Um, and there are sleep mode as well. Um, and I think it is a bit of a personal commitment to tell yourself that we didn't have these devices five to ten years ago, and we did okay, and we can do okay for one night without them. A really big question people have quite often is to nap or not to nap. Yes. So if somebody is tired, napping is allowed 20 minutes or less. That's my answer. Wow, 20 minutes or less. Okay, but they say that that really is the perfect nap. And I think 
that even corporations are now seeing this and realizing that that people do their best in the day if they're allowed to take that short 20-minute nap. So what about things like lifestyle, like weight loss, or you mentioned smoking? Speak about some of those things that we can do that can help contribute to our good sleep. So we do know that exercise, especially for those who use exercise to help them manage their stress and their anxiety, can be very beneficial. The trick is to not, if you can imagine, get those adrenaline levels up close to when you want to go to bed. Um, So if you're somebody who wants to be in bed by 10 o'clock, then it doesn't make a lot of sense to exercise at 8 p.m. Four hours seems to be the window of time that you want to finish your exercise before going to bed. But for all the... um, benefits of exercise that allow us to reduce our cortisol levels, which are our stress levels, our stress hormone levels. Definitely those who don't sleep well, I encourage exercise, just timing it in a way that makes sense for your desired bedtime. Smoking is a trickier one. It depends a little bit on why the person is smoking. Of course, you know, I have to say we shouldn't smoke at all, and um, there are numerous reasons for that. But from a sleep standpoint, uh, if it is sort of a stimulating habit, you know, many patients will say, why I smoke to relax. But to be honest, it is um, sometimes a way that somebody's coping with their stress in an indirect way uh, instead of addressing their stress head on. And I would then advocate for my patients to figure out why they're smoking. Is it out of habit? Is it out of boredom? Or is it out of stress? And if they can address that underlying issue, then they can usually um, correct that issue and that will help their sleep overall. It's great information. So, Dr. Kranzdorf, wrap it up for us. What you would like people to know and, and what you would like them to think about when they are someone who is maybe not getting the best night's sleep and whether they should go see their primary care provider or a sleep specialist, have a sleep study to see why they're not getting that great night's sleep, but more importantly, the things that they can do, sleep hygiene, as we stated at the beginning, to really get that Mm -hmm. best night's sleep. So I would say in summary, we need to treat sleep as a priority for us. It is tied into so many of our health benefits as well as detrimental health behaviors that if we can make it a priority for ourselves, it would help our overall life expectancy and our quality of life as well. Everybody feels better when they have had enough sleep. And I think we all deserve um, and work hard all day, but then deserve at home for that self-care and to be kind to ourselves and allow us that that wind-down period that we need to um, achieve um, good sleep hygiene and achieve a good night's sleep. I think we would all benefit from a little bit of relaxation techniques, a little bit of meditation, maybe putting that phone down for just a little bit before we go to sleep. It's great information and so important for people to hear because they just don't really even realize the importance of a good quality night's sleep. Thank you so much, Dr. Cranstorff, for being with us today. You're listening to It's Your Health Radio with Henry Mayo Newhall Hospital. For more information, please visit henrymayo.com. That's henrymayo.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for tuning in.